Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace, because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, he would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But now we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea? Jesus asked. Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is, what is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? uh, retorted Pilate. With this he went out again to the Jews, gathered there, and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, No, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. going to sing again now um, but during this song if you have kids with you who would like one of those kids packs um, remembering Wald's instructions that perhaps if you're in later high school then perhaps you may not need one um, <laughs> then um, then that will be handed around so do please do take a, um, a kids pack if that would help you through the service as well but we're going to sing this next song uh, nailed to the cross as we consider what Jesus has achieved when he uh, on on this day that many years ago. So please stand and sing with us.
Well, good morning, everyone. Take a seat. Great to see you all here. My name is Adrian. It is great to see uh, people from, I uh, guess, people from 10 a.m., people from 6 p.m., all in one building. Beautiful, brilliant. I've got to say, I love that kid spot. Thank you, Sarah, family spot. Uh, my son, Joe, he really loved that kid spot as well, and I'm hoping <laughs> that he will share the chocolate with me. Um, actually, often when they go to bed, I just eat the chocolate anyway. But hey, uh, I wanted to mention to you that there is a holiday kids club on April 19, and Sarah will be speaking at it. Uh, she might give away more chocolate. But anyway, I'd say sign up. You could hear that she knows the Bible well. She will teach our children well, and she'll help us know Jesus better. So sign your children up to the Holiday Kids Club. I totally recommend it, and you'll hear more of Sarah. Uh, but it is here. It is good that we're here on Good Friday, beginning of the long weekend. Who's happy? Uh, yes. Uh, the beginning of the school holidays. Yes. Children, good. Um, I really do hope you have a great, great break. Uh, whether it's for two weeks or just the four days. Uh, maybe you get a chance to catch up with friends. Uh, maybe you get a chance to head out, up, get up the coast or something. Maybe you're just looking forward to crashing on the couch, binge-watching some TV or getting it out, uh, getting out and about. But, but whatever you end up doing, I think it's significant that you've started your long weekend here at church, uh, not sleeping in but coming to a church service, thinking about a death. Uh, it seems to be a pretty somber way to start a long weekend. Uh, maybe you're here because this is simply what you do on Easter. Uh, maybe you're here because, well, your parents have said, no, nah, you're coming to church. Uh, maybe because you've heard in previous years on Good Friday we hand out some great hot cross buns. Uh, or maybe because after a, a year of suffering through COVID, you're kind of thinking, yeah, it's right to think more on suffering. I can't really guess your reasons for being here. I can't be sure, but I can be sure of something. I can be sure of why God wants you here. I can tell you what God desires for you right now as you hear him speak through the Bible. He desires your trust. He desires your belief. Uh, that is God's goal for everyone. Uh, whether you've been a Christian for decades or whether you're still a person exploring who Jesus Christ is, God's goal for us is the same. He wants your trust. He wants your trust to begin or he wants your trust to grow. And I know this is true uh, because it is written in the book of the Bible we're reading today. If you went right to the end of, chapter of the Gospel of John, John 20, 31, it says this, But these are written that you may believe, trust, that Jesus is the Messiah, God's King, the Son of God, and that you may, by believing, you may have life in his name. This is God's goal for you this morning to believe Jesus is the Messiah, God's King. And by believing, you might receive excellent eternal life. I reckon that's a pretty good way to start a long weekend. And so as we read through this little passage today that we heard read before, uh, we're just going to consider who Jesus is as God's King. And I really do hope, I've been praying, that your trust in Him might grow. Uh, but the first thing to know about this Jesus is that He is a King who does not claim His title. He does not claim his title. Uh, and uh, here's a picture of Leighton Hewitt. Now, in the world of sport, there is often people who claim it. Uh, Leighton Hewitt, a famous Australian tennis player, he's well known for the fact that he used to claim it. Uh, he would hit a cracking shot, and then he'd say, everyone say it with me, come on! That's right, he'd say, come on. He claimed it. He made it known that he was the best. And Jesus Christ, he really was the type of person who could have claimed it. 
If you'd read the story so far, Jesus has turned water into wine. He has healed the sick. He has caused paralyzed people to walk. He has fed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. He's walked on water. He's healed a man born blind and he has raised a dead man to life. Say it with me again. Come on! That's what Jesus could have done. He could have claimed it. He could have said, look at what I've done. I am God's king. Bow down to me. But Jesus never claims his kingship. He doesn't do what, you know, humans would. Uh, There is one point in Jesus' life where a crowd is so amazed by a miracle that Jesus has just performed that they intended to make him king by force. Now, an ordinary person, they might claim the kingship. They might love the chance to have power. But Jesus withdraws. In actual fact, as far as I can tell, if you read the story of Jesus' life, never does he claim his kingship. Never does he say, I am king, now you bow down to me. Really, for most of John, there is very little talk of kingship, even though that's the purpose of John's writing, that you might believe that Jesus is God's Messiah, God's king. But now, at the end of Jesus' life, just before he's about to die, suddenly the word king pops up everywhere and a theme of kingship is all through these chapters. Is that what you'd expect? All his miracles could have crowned him as king. But it's his death on a cross that crowns him as king. See, Jesus Christ is a king who doesn't claim it. I think there's something deeply attractive about that. In a world where people desperately desire more power, Jesus does not use his power to claim his kingship. There's something that, in that that makes me want to trust him more. He doesn't want you to trust him or believe him because he's power hungry. There's another reason. It's love. And we'll get to that later. That's the first thing about this king. A king who does not uh, claim it. Uh, but the next thing, even though he's not power hungry, uh, he's a king opposed by the powerful. I've been reading Harry Potter with my daughter. Who's, who's read through Harry Potter? Okay, that's a good number. Uh, I think it's one of the highest selling books, you know, but the Bible just out, does it. Anyway, um, it, it has struck me as I've read Harry Potter with Kate uh, that from the day of his birth, he is a boy who is opposed. Uh, evil is against him and people want to get rid of him. You know, the aunt and uncle, the Dursleys, they're against him. The Dark Lord, who shall not be named, is against him. There's people at school who are against him. He's constantly opposed from birth. And Jesus, he has the same sort of experience. Uh, Early in Jesus' teaching career, after uh, after he's just called God his own father and made himself equal with God, uh, it's written in John's Gospel that the Jewish leaders tried all the more to kill him. That's in chapter 5. Later, after Jesus has raised someone from the dead... The Jewish leaders, they go, huh, if people believe in him, maybe the Romans will take away their temple and nation. And so, it's written in the gospel, and so they plotted to take his life. Now, in our Bible reading today, the plot to kill Jesus reaches its climax. The Jewish leaders, a whole detachment of soldiers, uh, with a bound Jesus, come before Pilate, a Roman governor. And Pilate asks them, What charges are you bringing against this man? And I'm not sure 
uh, the Jewish leaders really, you know, were hoping for this question. I think what they were hoping for is that he might be executed swiftly. You know, no questions asked. I think they had hoped that Pilate would simply receive Jesus and then sentence him to death. And so they're a little kind of grumpy in their reply. If he were not a criminal, we would not have handed him over to you. But Pilate, I think he kind of likes holding authority over the Jewish leaders, unlike Jesus. Uh, He says, take him yourselves, judge him by your own laws. And now the real problem for the Jewish leaders is revealed. They say to Pilate, but we have no right to execute anyone. The Jewish leaders wanted blood. They wanted death. And the only way they were getting blood was by the Roman rulers getting on board. Because under the Roman rule, the only people who could sentence someone to death was a representative of the Roman nation, like a Roman governor, Pilate. It's a pretty shocking story. Because under the Jewish leader's own law, like the Jewish law, they could have stoned Jesus to death because he was a human claiming to be God. But they had no right to put this law into practice because they were living under the Romans. And so they unite with the Romans, their enemy, to kill God's king. See, in this story, the Jewish leaders are intensely opposed to Jesus Christ. Why did they oppose him so viciously? It might be because they loved their law and they truly believed Jesus Christ was breaking it. But when you read through the whole story of Jesus' life, the evidence is stacked against the Jewish leaders. All the things Jesus did proved he was God and was God's king. So I think it's more likely the Jewish leaders opposed Jesus because they were worried Jesus would take away their temple and their nation. They feared. They feared losing power. They feared losing their identity. They feared losing people. They feared losing the things they loved and treasured. Their fear drove them to oppose Jesus to the point of uniting with the Romans and having Jesus crucified. Now, I wonder what in your heart causes you to oppose Jesus. Do you fear that he might take something from you? And maybe you don't oppose him as viciously as the Jewish leaders, but maybe you keep Jesus at arm's distance because you don't want him to take things from you. But the next part of the story, uh, we actually see why Jesus is a good king to have near. He's a king who is from God. Now, I want you just to imagine this scene for a moment. crowd of anxious Jewish leaders. There's probably bored Roman soldiers uh, looking after a very docile, gentle Jesus who is bound. And they're all standing at the entrance of Pilate's headquarters. But now, uh, Pilate, he kind of heads inside... And he summons Jesus. And the Jewish leaders, they can't go inside. And so you can just imagine their reaction as they just watch Pilate go inside and Jesus follow. Uh, They won't know what's going on. What will Pilate ask? What will Jesus confess? Uh, Will Jesus say anything at all? Will Pilate sentence Jesus to death? Will their plot be successful? They have no idea. They don't know what's going on. But you, me, we're the VIPs in this story. We're given the backstage passes. We go right in behind the scene and we see Jesus speaking with Pilate. And so we're stepping into that scene and Pilate asks Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Now, if Jesus says yes at this point, then maybe Pilate 
could accuse Jesus of treason and could sentence Jesus to death. And if that happened, it'd be kind of convenient for Pilate. The Jewish leaders would be satisfied. There'd be no more angry, anxious crowd on his doorstep. There'd be no risk of riot in the city. But Jesus, he doesn't come to the party. Instead, he tells Pilate about his kingdom, a kingdom which is very different from what the Jewish leaders and the Roman rulers expected. Jesus says, verse 36, my kingdom is not of this world. This is good news. If Jesus' kingdom was of this world, there would be a whole lot more blood on the street. His followers would have fought harder to prevent their leader's arrest because that's how this world operates. Fights, wars, injury, insults, harm, death. Opposition before peace, my way before yours. That's how this world operates. It's not really hard to see. I mean, for kids at school, maybe you watch BTN. I don't know if there's any BTN watchers out there. I know, because I found it up on the internet, that the US election was covered. My children told me about it as well. There was a lot of fighting in the last election, physically and with words. You know, the kingdom of this world is not good. Uh, for those of you with phones, uh, maybe you've seen the way the world works as you've scrolled through your social media feed or your news app. But my guess is that you don't need a screen to tell you that the world works in pretty bad and brutal ways. Maybe at school, you've just seen the fights between friends and the fights between enemies. And maybe in the workplace, uh, you've seen the cutthroat strategy as people fight for power to be promoted. The kingdom of this world is at times brutal. But Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. It is not from here. When Jesus was arrested and one of his disciples, you know, took out a sword, Jesus said, put that sword away. Uh, Jesus' kingdom is altogether different from any kingdom you know from this world. That's a good thing. It makes me want to trust him more. But even so, the word kingdom, it makes Pilate jump. Ah, you said you're a king. Jesus replies, verse 37, well, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world was to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Jesus came from heaven to testify to the truth. Testify means to be a witness. To testify is a way of giving evidence. So, if I said the truth, I love my dog. This is a picture of my dog. Everyone can go, ah. Um, no, this is a picture of my dog. And maybe the way I could testify to the fact that I love him is by the fact that I run with him regularly and I give him food. That would be testimony that I love my dog. Uh, but Jesus says he came to testify to the truth. What truth is Jesus giving evidence for? I think it's the truth that God loves and is faithful to his people. For God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son. The son Jesus was sent to testify to the truth that God loves his people. Now, I think that's very easy to doubt. I know I often doubt God's love for me. I, I do so much dumb stuff. I think so much dumb stuff. This week, I've been particularly grumpy and impatient. You can kind of ask my family and friends. You can ask the staff members. And I, I don't feel very worthy of their love. I don't really feel very worthy of God's love. And maybe you feel the same. You don't feel worthy of God's love. You know all the things you think. You know all the things you do. 
Or maybe you actually go, no, I've been really distant from God. I've ignored him for a really long time. Or I've actively opposed him. I really doubt that I'm worthy of God's love. But Jesus Christ testifies to the truth that God loves his people. God loves his people. Jesus testifies to this truth and he does this supremely by his death on the cross. This is what we remember today. That is why Good Friday is called Good Friday. It was not good for Jesus, but it was very good for you and me. Because those who trust in Christ are like Barabbas, like Sarah taught us from the Bible earlier. Barabbas was a rebel, a criminal, rightly condemned. And yet in the story, he goes free. And Jesus, the innocent one, is punished. The guilty is set free, the innocent one condemned. This is our story. Because the Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ died for our sin and guilt, so that we might be set free from the judgment we deserve. So as we see our king, our amazing king who does not claim his kingship, our innocent king who had no charge against him, our peace-loving king who is not from this world, as we see this king hang on a cross and suffer in our place, we see love. We see the love of God shining like a golden ray of sun, bringing warmth to a guilty soul. We see the floodgates of heaven open up and pour down love. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, if Jesus Christ was on trial up on stage and the question was asked, does God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit love his people? His number one piece of evidence, his testimony to the truth would be the cross. This is love. And that's what we remember on Good Friday. See, God's goal for you today, no matter who you are in this room, is to believe Jesus is the Christ, God's Son. And that by believing in him, you might have life in his name. See, our Bible passage today has shown you why God's King Jesus is worthy. He's worthy of your trust. He's worthy of your belief. Because he's a king who doesn't claim his kingship. He's a king who, though opposed, does not strike back with violence. Because he's, he's a king who's not from this world. He's a king who testifies to the truth. God loves his people. And so the question for all of us today is, will you trust him? I'm going to pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do give you great thanks for Jesus Christ. And we give you thanks that he is a king like no other. He doesn't claim his kingship, to get more power. Uh, he's a king who's not from our world. Uh, he's a king who shows us your great love. And so we pray that you would grow us in trust. Uh, grow us in leaning on Jesus Christ so that we might have salvation. Uh, Father, we pray today as we consider and remember Jesus' death uh, that you'll constantly be showing us how deep and good your love is for your people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.